Turn with me now to the book of First Thessalonians, chapter one. There are times when I when I have a tough time coming up with a title for a, for a message, but there are times when the scripture actually gives you a title for the message. This was a command that the Lord gave through Rav Shaul to not just the Thessalonian uh, Messianic believers who were both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, but for everyone who's part of the spiritual body of God the Father. And this is the command. Wait for his son, Yeshua, to appear from heaven to rescue us. Now I ask my brothers and sisters in Messiah, are you waiting? Are you looking? Are you longing for his appearing? Or are you just going about your daily life? That's not just a suggestion. That's a command. Rav Shul, the apostle Paul, did not write of his own authority. He was filled with the Ruach, the spirit of the living God. And so the things that were written that he and others have done has been sealed. There are many books that have been written, many things that have been said that lead us astray. But we know that the words of Yeshua are yes and amen. He never lied. And the words that are recorded in the scripture by the prophets of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the apostles of the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, are yes and amen and are true. Let's begin here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. From Shaul, Sila, and Timothy, to the Messianic community of the Thessalonians, united with God the Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Grace to you and shalom. We always thank God for all of you regularly, mentioning you in our prayers and calling to mind before God our Father what our Lord Yeshua the Messiah has brought about in you. How your trust produces action and your love hard work and your hope perseverance. We know, brothers, that God has loved and chosen you, that the good news we brought did not become for you a matter of only words, but also one of power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and total conviction. Just as you know how we lived for your sakes when we were with you, you indeed became imitators of us and of the Lord, so that even though you were going through severe troubles, you received the word with joy from the Ruach HaKodesh. Thus you became a pattern for all believers in Macedonia and Acacia, for the Lord's message sounded forth from you. And not only in Macedonia and Acacia, 
but to everywhere. Your trust towards God became known. The result is that we don't need to say anything since they themselves keep telling us about the welcome we received from you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the true God, the one who is alive. Focus now on this last verse. And to wait for his son Yeshua, whom he raised from the dead, to appear from heaven to rescue us from the impending fury, wrath of God's judgment. The Lord's going to come back and rescue us, his bride. There's the promise. Undeniable. So we are to be imitating just as they imitated Rav Shaul and the others that were sent to them in proclaiming the good news without fear and without hesitation. But Rav Shaul, he has to now, he's writing these letters because he's in the process now, he's trying to rehabilitate his reputation. Why? Because it had been trashed by his theological detractors. And who were they? The unbelieving Jews who still had a veil over their eyes that could not stand that their fellow Jews were going to follow after this way and after this other prophet whose name is Yeshua. And so they persecuted both these Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, in this Messianic community because they wanted to snuff this completely out. And their hatred and slander towards Rav Shaul was so great that they literally drove him out of town. In prior messages, we went in greater detail where it speaks what happened in Thessalonica. And so we will not go into that today. And so this is six months to a year later, Rav Shaul is in touching base with them. He had left Timothy and Silas to remain there so that they could build up and raise up elders within that Messianic community. See, we're in the process of passing the baton to others. The command in the scripture is to go out and proclaim the good news and making disciples Talmudim. That's the command of the Lord. And we are all responsible to do that. To share the good news. And to impress ourselves in the lives of others. So after Shaul was left to leave town. So now in these first three chapters. Shaul is now reasserting his ability. And his authority to teach them as a shelachim. As an apostle. Because those Jewish men. Who had the veil over their eyes. Who did not believe in Yeshua. They were just scoffing and saying well look. He gets a little pressure. And if what he said and believed was true, why, why did he flee? All this slander, all these accusations against him. And the reason why he chose to leave is that they were to the point there of putting these individuals to death. 
And Rav Shaul knew by the Spirit speaking to his heart, it's time to move on. The seed has been planted, and the Ruach will bring forth the growth. Have you ever had a family member or a friend that you shared the good news to? Maybe they were not really listening to what you had to say. But know this, the, the, the seeds of the good news are planted into their hearts. I have never saved anyone, and I will never save anyone. That's the work of the Ruach HaKodesh. We're just simply to proclaim the good news. So going forward here. Then after Rav Shul, he gets that issue taken care of. Later in chapters 4 and 5, Shaul now deals with the issues that the Thessalonian Messianic believers need correction on and need help with. So one of the attacks that was raised against Shaul by these unbelieving Jews after Shaul was forced out of the city of Thessalonica is that the unbelieving Jews told these new Messianic believers that Shaul, what he taught them, about Yeshua wasn't true. It was all false. They said this, someone just came and gave you a speech and you got swept up into it, but there is nothing lasting that's happening in your life. In other words, there's nothing to see here, folks. It's time to move on. They were trying to persuade this, but they could not see what the Ruach was doing in the lives of these Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. The transformation, the ministry of the Ruach. And that's why you and I, when we share the good news with a family member or a friend, we know this, what the Spirit has started He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's ministering to them 24-7. He has the ability to give them dreams and visions of the revelation of who Yeshua is. That's the work of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. So continuing here, I believe what Rav Shul is doing here is in this first chapter, is he's explained to them that no, your trust, your faith in Yeshua is real. Because you notice the transformation that's going on in your life. You're no longer that same person you once were. How do we know this? Because they became born again. And can we not all testify that our life was different prior to us becoming born again. And that's a sanctification process that takes time. Continuing, Shaul gives a lot of reasons for what the Ruach HaKodesh has produced, things in the lives of the Messianic Thessalonian believers that could not be produced in any other way. Because once you meet God, just as we saw in our Torah portion, Yaakov became a brand new man. He had a brand new outlook. He finally got introduced to the God of his fathers. 
and he embraced him. Why Esau rejected him. Let's continue. One of the, the things that the Ruach HaKodesh very early on produced in the life of these Messianic Thessalonian believers is what we call today an eschatological hope. A hope for the future. Why? Because they are being daily persecuted. We in America, we're living in the lap of luxury. Someone may turn to us and say, I don't want to hear anything what you say about the good news. And then we take it personally, right? We're slight. What they were under was intense persecution. And they needed hope. The word eschatological means future, coming for the word eschatos in the Greek language that means the end. A future hope that's at the end. Eschatological hope means that there is hope for future because what? Yeshua is coming back. What does it say there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10? To wait for his son Yeshua, who's coming back to rescue us. Let's continue here. A human being cannot live very long without hope. And that's the danger of putting on all your eggs in one basket or putting all your stock in this world because what happens? The world will take it away, right? There are a lot of people biting their nails right now concerning what? An example, an illustration. Counting the vote and also counting the missing ballots that show up and all kinds of similar stuff that's going on in this world. And is this... It is a very appropriate that Messianic believers should not be cons- should be concerned about this, but at the same time, regardless of what happens on any election by humans, does it detract from your hope? Is Donald Trump your God? Is Joe Biden your God? Does Yeshua sit on the throne of your life? And are you looking for him? Are you waiting for him? Because our hope is in Yeshua. And if you don't have that as a foundation of your life, we'll be going through life on extreme highs and lows. And we truly do not have a hope that's enduring. I believe that God the Father is going to shake the United States as never before. And he needs to. Why? Because we as a nation need to repent before the Lord. And where does that begin? In the house of God. When people in this land see that the the men and women of God are repenting before him, that will become contagious when they see the transforming power being lived out in our lives. It's not about the politics. It's about eternal life. And it's about the good news.
That's the work that the Lord wants us to be focused on. Should we vote for a certain candidate and search whether this person stands for biblical truth? Absolutely. But as things change and the outcome does not come as we desire it to be, who sits on the throne of our lives? Let's continue. So the Ruach HaKodesh now is trying to instill in us as the child of God a hope that goes beyond our ups and downs of this world. And that's what we call an ecological hope. And that's what these Thessalonian Mexican believers had. Rav Shaul mentions this in verse 10. And to wait for his son Yeshua, whom he, he raised from the dead, to appear from heaven to rescue us from the impending wrath or fury of God's judgment. Rav Shaul ends this first chapter making reference to the return of Yeshua the Messiah, our Savior delivering us from God's wrath. And what will that wrath be ultimately poured out upon? The inhabitants of this earth and the earth itself. The letter of 1 Thessalonians has some very unique characteristics. And one of these is that every single chapter ends in a mention of the return of Yeshua, our Messiah. So here we have at the end of this very first chapter... And there is our example. Every chapter in 1 Thessalonians ends with a reference to the second coming of Yeshua, our Messiah. There was a small amount of time in between the planting of this Messianic community, this church in Thessalonica, and the first letter to this Messianic community, this church. It had been between six months to a year old at the time in the Lord, when Rav Shaul actually now is reviewing the information that he had already covered with them concerning the return of Yeshua. See, it's all about Yeshua. Did he not say, if you'll lift me up, I will draw all men unto myself, both men and women? There's a lot of ministries that are built on a personality or a person. That's the wrong focus. It's all about Yeshua. Let's continue. So there is a mindset out there in the world, the church world, that particularly around new Messianic believers, that you shouldn't mention Yeshua's second coming. Isn't that silly? What is Rav Shaul doing? The complete opposite. These were mere babes in Messiah. And he was speaking to them and teaching them about the last days. So if it was okay for Rav Shaul to teach that, and he's our example, should we not do likewise? Absolutely. Because don't worry the things that we share with people, because sometimes it comes out sideways, doesn't it? Who is there given to them, and you and I, that leads us into all truth? The Ruach. And where we speak in air, the spirit of the living God will, will, will filter that out. 
Let's continue. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Rav Shul was very bold about mentioning the return of Yeshua. In particular, a brand new revelation. And what is that revelation? The Harpazo, the rapture. To the point where these people were about six months to a year old. And Rav Shaul now is now reviewing the ground that he had already covered with them in Thessalonica before he's pushed out. And later, ultimately, he's pushed all the way out to Corinth. So what we believe, verse 10 is speaking, is the very first reference to the harpads of the rapture, the rescue. Can we not see it clearly? Of whom? The bride of Messiah. Both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, the church. In this Thessalonian letters. This reveals that this could be the first reference to Rav Shaul's writing on the Harpads of the rapture of the bride of Messiah. The church. Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. In all of Rav Shaul's writings. This is the earliest. So let's continue here. Because Rav Shaul in chapters 4, verses 13 through 18, will now take this concept of the harpazo rapture of the bride of Yeshua, the church, and develop in more detail. So let's turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way other people do do have nothing to hope for. For since we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, we also believe in the same way that God through Yeshua will take with him those who have died. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from the one of the ruling angels and with the God shofar. And those who have died with Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive will be caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. And how does it end? So comfort one another with these words. He's going to rescue us at any moment. And this was given to every generation. So those Thessalonian believers, both Jews and Gentiles, who are now, their bodies are resting in the grave. When they died instantaneously, their soul and spirit went in the presence of the Lord, but their bodies are asleep here on earth. They will not miss out on that harpazo. They shall not miss out on the rapture. God's word says so. I believe that more than I can tell you who's going to win the next presidential election. And to be honest with you, as the Lord sits on the throne, the Lord orchestrates and he appoints the leaders that come. Are we to vote? Absolutely. But know this. Who's your hope? I'm looking for a theocracy to replace this current democracy where Yeshua rules and reigns from Jerusalem and the hearts and minds of all his people. 
Praise be to God. Let's continue here. This is our fullest expression that we have in the Bible of the harpazo of the rapture. Of course, this takes place in chapter 4. Not at the beginning of the chapter, not the middle of the chapter, but where? At the end. Remember that theme earlier? Because every chapter of this letter will end with a reference in some sense to the return of Yeshua. So one of the things you see developing here in verse 10 is something that was mentioned before. The doctrine, the teaching of what? Eminency. At any moment, any second. Eminency is the idea that there's no prophetic sign that has to happen before the harpazo, the rapture, can occur. Why do we believe that? Because when Rob Shaul mentions the harpazo here, he doesn't say to wait for his son from heaven after the Antichrist is revealed. No, that's not even mentioned. That's not the focus. Why? Because when Yeshua comes back, he's saving his bride from the tribulation. Let's continue here. Or after the church becomes apostate. That's not mentioned here. Or after the Jewish people build their third temple. That's not here. Did not the Ruach HaKodesh who knows all things and instruct this individual who's one of the apostles to lay this foundation, this revelation, the Harpazo rapture, would he not give him all clarity and all, all knowledge and understanding? Absolutely. Did Yohanan Kepha or any of the others rebuke Rav Shaul for teaching, teaching this? Absolutely not. Let's continue. Rav Shaul inserts no sign at all like that. So he gives the impression that here and many other places that the Harpazo rapture of the bride of Yeshua, the church, both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, is the next event on the prophetic horizon. And it can happen at any moment. Now the second coming, that's when Yeshua comes and he lands on the Mount of Olives, which is different, which will take place when? We know exactly when. The scripture tells us at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. That cannot happen at any moment, but the Harpazo rapture can because there is a whole series of events lasting for seven years that have to transpire first. So the second coming, the landing of Yeshua on the Mount of Olives, cannot happen at any moment. There are basic signs that precede it, but the Harpazo rapture, the bride of Messiah, the church, Jews and Gentiles, one Messiah, is very different because the Harpazo rapture of the bride of Yeshua, the church, can happen the next split second. And this is basically what we call the doctrine of imminency. So Rav Shaul doesn't say or give warning here, oh, that you should now not take the mark of the beast. He doesn't even talk about it, which you would expect if this group were going through the tribulation. He doesn't tell them 
that here is how you prepare for the tribulation. You need to get some weapons. How about buying some freeze-dried fruit? Or get some special bullets here? Or any stuff like that is going to help you against the Antichrist, right? He's going to be given authority and power. He'll be given a deception. And he will lead the world astray. But Rob Shul doesn't even mention that to them. But wait a second, this can happen any second, can it? The tribulation can start any second? No. There's orchestration. There's prophetic teaching. This is a process. So let us continue here. Rav Shaul does not tell them to, you need to arm yourself for the tribulation. But what he says is to do what? To wait for his son Yeshua, whom he raised from the dead, to appear from heaven. An appearance. Appearance is different from a second coming. When Yeshua comes in his second coming, he lands on the Mount of Olives. He's not going back up to heaven again. Why? Because he's setting up his millennial kingdom. And you know, there's a majority of denominations in the Christian church that don't even believe in a millennial reign of the Messiah. That's another subject, and we'll get into that at another time. So continuing here. So this coming, Rav Shaul introduces the MNC. So turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Did he speak or teach about this at other times? Was this just specifically just for those who were part of the Thessalonian congregation? No. He expresses a little bit more in his other writings to other congregations. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're at 51. Many of you read this and you're very, very familiar with this scripture. And that's a good thing. Look, I tell you a secret. Not all of us will die, but we will be changed. It will take but what a moment. The rapture, the harpazo. The blink of an eye. At the final shofar, for the shofar will sound, and the dead will be raised to live forever, and we too will be changed. Now let us turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. But Rabbi, you already read that. It's important for us to read scripture upon scripture to see how they're interly woven together. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 15. When he says this, we base it on the Lord's own word. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. Very, very important. In verse 15, I skipped that one. When we say this, we base it, we base it on the Lord's own word. We who remain alive when the Lord comes certainly will not take precedence over those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven 
with a rousing cry, with a call from the one of the ruling angel, angels in God's shofar. Those who have died united with Messiah will be to rise first, and those of us who are left and still alive will be caught up with him to be in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage one another with these words. And what did Yaakov say? James, Yeshua's oldest half-brother. He wasn't older than Yeshua, but of his younger siblings, he was the oldest of the brothers. Uh, in Yaakov, or James, chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. You too, be patient. Keep your courage. For the Lord's return is what? It's near. At any moment. At any second. Let's continue now. I've already read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And I've also read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But so now let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 7. So that you are not lacking any spiritual gift and are eagerly awaiting. What did Rav Shaul told them to do? To wait. You are awaiting the revealing of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. He will enable you to hold out until the end and thus be blameless on the day of the Lord, Yeshua the Messiah. That's very, very clear, is it not? And finally, to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But you are citizens of heaven. But I'm also American citizen. I'm a European citizen. I'm a, I'm a citizen of Africa. You fill in the blank. Where is your eternal home but heaven? But we are citizens of heaven, and it is for there that we expect a what? A deliverer, a rescuer. The Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Are you waiting? Are you ready to go? Or are you hanging on to the things of this world? Is anything more precious to you of all your possessions than your relationship and your intimacy with Yeshua, the lover of your soul? Let's continue. Praise be unto God. The thought is always the same. It is here comes the harpazo, the rapture. Wait for it. But there is no prophetic sign inserted before the harpazo rapture can occur. So that this is what Rav Shaul taught about the intimacy. We're now looking for Yeshua the Messiah. And there are a lot of Christian people out there that are printing books about the Antichrist. The Antimessiah. But Rav Shaul has taught us we won't be there to see him, the anti-Messiah. 
because the Lord's coming back for us. That's not my words. That's his words. I am not an apostle. He is. I was not given the opportunity to write the scriptures. He was. Continuing here. You can gather teachers in your life that have opinions on stuff, but if it does not line up with this book, set them aside. Well, this guy has all these degrees. He's a master in this, divinity, this and that, all the other thing. Set it aside if it doesn't line up with this book because Hasatan has deceived that individual. And they may have written great things, but if it doesn't line up with what the apostles taught and the prophets taught. Because Rav Shul wrote in another one of his letters, he said, even if an angel come to you and preach you another gospel, sprinkled with a little bit of Yeshua and Jesus, goes on to say, let that one be accursed. Rav Shaul was dealing with false apostles and false prophets in his day. And nothing's changed. This is the word that you put your trust in. Everything I say or anyone else says, test it before God's word. Continuing here. So what becomes our motivator? Holiness in our daily life. Sharing the good news of Yeshua because Yeshua is coming back next. Yeshua is not just coming back soon. That would be wonderful enough, but he is coming back next. Any second, this can happen. This is the only prophecy where this is true. All the other end time prophecies are always sort of captured in some kind of time frame. That's why we have to understand what Daniel said and Jeremiah and all the other Old Testament prophets. Not so with the Harpazo rapture. The Harpazo can take place at any split second. And now let's hear from the lips of Yeshua himself. Recorded in, in Yohanan, John chapter 14, verse 4. where Yeshua first mentioned the harpazo rapture of his bride, the church of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah Yeshua. Don't let your hearts be troubled or disturbed. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many places to live. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. Since I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will return to you and take you with me. Does that, that not fit for Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10? He's coming back to rescue us. Since I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will return to take you with me so that where I am, you may be also. You are the bride of Messiah. Should you not be with your bridegroom? Absolutely. Later, I'll be teaching about the Jewish wedding and how it reveals more and more what Yeshua is doing. Continuing here. Furthermore, you know where I'm going, 
and you know the way. Who is he speaking to directly? These Talmudian, these disciples, these men who part of their culture, from majority of them were from the Galilee, they understood the, the Jewish wedding and how the, the bridegroom would come suddenly and come to take his bride. And she was to be what? Waiting and be prepared every day because she did not know the day or the hour that her bridegroom would come. And that's when Yeshua says, it's furthermore, you know where I'm going and you know the way there. John 14, 1 through 4. So immediately, we'll go through the NIV here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. What is that speaking of? The ascension. If I prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will may be also. And you know the way I'm going. So immediately when the ascension took place, and where is that found? In Acts chapter 1, the eminency of the Harpazo rapture started ticking. I preached the whole book of Acts. I preached the whole book of Matthew. It was orchestrated by the Lord so that through teaching and preaching, these teachings would go forward. So immediately when the ascension took place in Acts chapter 1, the, the eminency of the Harpazo rapture started ticking. Yeshua here is giving his sequence. Is he not God? Does he not know all things? Is anything hidden from him? Absolutely not. If I go to prepare a place for you, that is the ascension. Then the next thing Yeshua says, I will come again to receive you to myself. Where I am, you will be also. And you know the way which I'm going. So this is not the, the scripture, but he's stating this. So look for me to materialize my coming for you when at any moment. When the Messianic community, the church age, has been born. Acts chapter 1 is where Yeshua ascended. Acts chapter 2 is where the Messianic community is born. Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles are added to the spiritual commonwealth of Israel. And from that point on, Yeshua desires every generation to believe that they are the end time generation. By the revelation of the Ruach HaKodesh to, to Rav Shaul, he truly believed that he would not die before the rapture came. And think of all, every generation that's been born, come to saving faith, been born again, and they've been waiting for that still expectation of the Lord's return at any time. And what does that do? That keeps your relationship with the Lord holy and pure, does it not? The things of this world you set aside because nothing infringes upon your first love, Yeshua the Messiah. Yeshua set this up in the minds and the hearts of those. Will Rav Shaul miss out on the Harpazo? 
his body, the rapture? Absolutely not. He shall arise one day. He's not going to miss out. So continuing here. Because Yeshua came back, can come back at any time for any generation of Messianic believers. That means that we have to be ready. When? All the time. This is the doctrine of imminency. So that today, in the last 2,000 years, this is the way Yeshua has arranged it. At any moment, Messianic believers of the church age can be caught up into the harpazo, the rapture. It can take time at any time, any moment, any second. This is a very easy way to figure out doctrinally now where people believe in the eminency of Yeshua or not. You ask this simple question. Can Yeshua come back today? Right? That's a very, very simple question. Right. And if they definitely answer yes, they are correct on the Harpazo rapture doctrine of the eminency. But if they start to hem and haw, well, I'm sure, or boy, things have to go bad to worse. And you know what? You've got to look out for Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. They go into all this stuff. You are absolutely dealing with someone who doesn't believe in the eminency or the harpods of the rapture, that Yeshua is coming to rescue us, and it can happen any second. I'm going to hold off because we've gone a lot today. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and there's a lot of information here. This message may be in three parts, but the significance is very important. Because you know what? We're tempted daily through our eyes, and through our mind. And with the doctrine and eminency of the Lord's returning at any second, keeps our hearts pure. Does it not? Because it says in the scripture, he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And who's the one preparing us for that day? It's not you or I. It's not our own self-righteousness. It's the Ruach HaKodesh, who leads us into all truth. And he will not mislead us from what this book says. For he's part of the Godhead. And he's to reveal Yeshua to everyone on this earth. And so when you're praying for loved ones and you're running out of words to pray, as a young believer Messiah, the Spirit spoke to my heart and just said this, pray now that I be involved in that person's life. Pray that my presence would descend upon that individual and open their eyes to the truth of who Yeshua is. Because as I said earlier, the Ruach HaKodesh is with them 24-7. There have been people, I've heard testimony, who've gone either in an induced comatose state or they've been injured and they're in a coma and they were a non-believer and the Ruach came and ministered to them. There were family interceding and praying for that person to be raised up from the bed of affliction, but they were also praying for that person's soul. And I've heard and I've read testimony after testimony of people, even those who suffer from dementia, who never proclaim the name of the Lord in their life. 
The spirit of the living God is ministering to them. He is faithful and he is true. And we can put our trust in him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shabbat Shalom and thank you. 